listening to the EVs for Everyone podcast. My name is Elena Ciccatelli, an award-winning automotive executive, and I'm so excited to introduce you to some of the most dynamic thought leaders the EV economy has to offer. Listen in on honest conversations I have with the leading electric vehicle experts and uncover critical insights that will help you jump ahead and stay there. The electrification race is officially on, and these conversations have never been more important. So whether you're an automotive executive or just an EV enthusiast, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. So I'm here with Matt Jones, True Car at Used Car Week. And Matt, thank you for taking the time. I know with conferences, it gets a little crazy, so I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Thank you for asking. I think I appreciate that more than you appreciate me taking the time. It's always cool to ask somebody, say, hey, I want to hear what you have to say. So that's cool. So thank you. Yeah, no, no worries. So we're, we are at Used Car Week, which is day two of a very long week. But Matt, would love for you to talk through your background, tell the audience and the listeners a little bit more about you and how you got into this crazy world of automotive. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, actually, I got into automotive in 2001, in December of 2001. And I started my career in automotive as a retail salesperson in Southern California. I worked at an import store, part of a large group. And that import store uh, was excellent. It was, it was like a very important brand in the area that I lived in. And so it just seemed like a natural fit. If you're going to sell a car, why not sell a car that has a built-in consumer base? So I did that. And it turned out I was okay at it. And... Uh, within three or four years, I was, you know, a manager of some sort um, and stayed with the industry. And I was like, oh, okay, I found my calling. Uh, so I stayed on the retail side of automotive for 12 years, uh, from sales to internet departments and finance management and sales management. Did that for 12 years. And then I transitioned over to a company called Edmonds. Edmonds was looking for, and this was in 2013, and Edmonds was looking for somebody who could help translate what was going on in retail automotive for their consumers. And who better to do that than somebody who had actually worked in retail automotive? So it was a perfect fit for me. And so that's what I I did for uh, six years with that company. Um, A couple years in, though, I transitioned from just giving education to uh, car shoppers to informing the media about what's going on in the automotive landscape. So I took on this position of automotive subject matter expert and eventually started writing and creating content for places like New York Times and USA Today and um, Good Morning America and all those things. And the whole idea behind it was not just to talk about automotive. The foundation and the baseline was to help consumers better understand retail automotive so that when they go into a retail automotive environment they were better prepared to deal with a a purchase. And the reason that's important is because if you haven't bought a car in 55 years, you're sitting here with an old or antiquated view of what goes on in a dealership and you might actually be hurting yourself. I moved to transition over to a true car to do the exact same thing, but in reverse. My role now is primarily to educate dealers and the broader automotive industry on what consumers are doing. And the way that I do that is by scrubbing through tons and tons of data. We have tremendous amounts of consumer behavioral data at TrueCar. One of the things that's really cool is we get to watch a person start their shopping process and we get to see where that process concludes. So that's slightly different than when you interview somebody because somebody will say something, but we get to actually see what they do. Um, And that changes by area, it changes by income, it changes by type of vehicle. So that's primarily what I do. And of course, EVs are part of that conversation. Gosh, that was a long intro. No. 
I loved it, Matt. Those are the 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 long intros are the best intros, and you have such a great uh, retail background and retail experience, which is why I'm excited to talk about EVs with you because we're at this we're really at this crossroads right now. Right, the train has already left the station, right on EVs. Like it's it's happening, whether you like it or not. So, but again, to your point about educating dealerships, but then also getting the uh, consumers on board as well. So where do you see not only your skills and talents fitting into the EV ecosystem along with what you're working on at TrueCar? I think that people who are in the EV market right now are fully vested in the EV market and they're doing incredible amounts of research, research like I've never seen people do in my 22 years in automotive. Uh, So so I'm skeptical that consumers need more information. I think what consumers need is a little bit more of an action plan and a bit more of a reality check of what the market is. if somebody were to, if I were given two people who were supposed to be able to uh, clearly identify the difference between miles per gallon and kilowatt hours, I'm going to actually put my money on the person who's shopping for the EV. They know what they know these things, right? But what they don't necessarily know is how to navigate what it means to buy a car in this space. So I think that's where the education comes in, the educational piece. Um, and helping this very analytical group of, uh, of shoppers understand that it doesn't have to be this, you know, horrendous, terrible, terrible drama-inducing uh, uh, environment. I think that's part of the key to making this like an ubiquitous hug from everybody who's buying cars. There's people who are probably buying cars online uh, from from particular manufacturers, uh, and their and their mind may be on that particular manufacturer, but their mind may also be about the process or avoiding a process they think is antiquated. So I think consumer education comes from like, well, you can actually have that process in today's market as well. You know, even from non-online buyers and talking about how you can utilize uh, the networks of stores that are already here to actually make your life easier and the process better. So there, there's a lot of education, but on the dealer side, I think. I think it's helping understand the dealers understand um, the mentality of, of EV shoppers because it's something different than what we've seen in the past. And as a person who sold cars, I can say truly that in my time selling cars, a person who wanted a traditional ICE car had slightly different needs out of their vehicle than somebody who was looking for a hybrid and I sold to both and they were different shoppers so helping people understand broadly motivations I think is going to be really important in this yeah and you all you also bring up a really key point though too is uh is shopper behavior and so like at your work at true car are you looking at potentially folks that are not repeat EV buyers people that are like first time looking at so talk a little bit more about that so there's a lot of different types of car shoppers, and then we all like to talk about and think about like the enthusiast or the off-road rock crawler and the person who is just like absolutely, you know, the Porsche Carrera person or whatever, right? But there's also this incredible segment of car shoppers that don't care about any of those things, and what they care about is their cost for transportation, right? <laughs> that's, that's, that is their primary driver, right? And so when we talk about these people, like I'll, I'll give an example, and I, I think this is terrible. I think this is terrible. If I were to remodel my kitchen, I would not give one single darn what brand my refrigerator was. I don't care. All I care is that it would fit. It's aesthetically pleasing. It's pretty good on fuel car, on like, you know, my energy costs and that it has a little water dispenser out front. If it does those things, I'm good, right? Because I'm not vested in, in refrigerators 
or washing machines. And we have to understand that some car shoppers are not vested in brands or propulsion systems. They're vested in low cost of ownership. And I think that's what's really going to be exciting about the EV landscape is that it's going to bring the cost of ownership back into for, uh, to, to for focus. Uh, it's going to bring cost of maintenance into focus. And it's going to, so I think there's a lot of implications for EVs. And that's where the dealer education, I think, is coming from. We talk about motivations. It's not the motivation for some people is going to be tech. Good. Give them a good process because they're going to know all the tech. The other people is going to be motivation for cost. Make sure that you can help them understand the potential cost savings now and in the future. Yeah, that's such a great analogy because ironically, I am remodeling a kitchen right now. And that is hilarious that you actually brought that up. So I, yeah, I feel the pain on the refrigerator part. Uh, so... Yeah, Matt, I I love your perspective on this, and I would love to also pick your brain a little bit on um, the retail experience at the dealership level for EVs. You know, it's been said, I I, I have my own perspective on this, I'd love to hear yours on a dedicated EV portion of the dealership. Good idea, terrible idea, somewhere in between. What are your thoughts there? I'm going to go with, yeah, C, somewhere in between, because there's a precedence in automotive of having specialization within a dealership. I'll I'll give an example. One of the groups that I worked for had a truck center. So you had to be fully fledged and you had to take all the tests and you had to understand the differences in chassis and towing capacity or whatever in order to work for the truck center because I was a very specialized customer, right? So... There's also people within dealerships who specialize in special finance. There's people who specialize in ultra luxury. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea, but not for, I don't want it to be grouped into like, oh, there's only going to be one person who can handle this. No, there's going to be more than one person who can handle this. It's, we need specialization for a specialization type customer, right? And specialization just is prominent throughout our lives. We go through it all the time. And I think another reason why that's important is like, you know, back in my days, I worked at a Honda store, right? You'd have the same engine essentially in the Honda Accord and in the Honda CRV. You'd have the same engine in the Honda Pilot and the Honda Odyssey. And you might have the same engine in the Honda Civic and maybe the Honda Fit, or actually not the Fit, it has a different variant. But the thing was, is you only had to learn the specs three times, right? You only had to learn the braking system three times because they were just plug and play across different brands. This is a completely different monster. So I think specialization would would would, would benefit. But if we go down the route of creating specialization based on technical acumen, we're going to fail. If we can go down that route for specialization based on this is what this shopper's behavior is, and this is how they over-index for the way that they want to transact, that's where we're going to win that one. Yeah, no, that's so true. And that's a great distinction that you made there. So no, that's perfect. So 2024, thinking about the year ahead, what are some of the things that you're excited to work on that is really just like top of mind for you? Well, Huh. It's a heck of a question. I'm going to tell you what I'm excited about for EVs. I'm excited about a lot of things. I'm, I'm excited about the automotive industry coming back to normalcy. I'm excited about vehicles becoming more abundant, choice coming back. But as it relates to EV, I, I want to say something, and I'm going to put a stake in the ground, and it's going to sound, whoever's listening to this, no sound bites. Listen to the whole statement, okay? In this stage of the game, EVs are important, but the propulsion system isn't important. What EV is important for is it's a harbinger of what's, what's to come. I remember a million years ago when I was selling cars and people started buying cars on the Internet. And we looked at it like it was this weird, gross animal, right, that may stick around or may not stick around. It may be valuable. It may not be valuable. But now it's ubiquitous. Prior to the Internet, 
before my time in the industry, it, cars didn't have window stickers. Did you know that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. There were cars that we didn't have window stickers in our industry, right? So I'm imagining people selling cars who are being forced to all of a sudden put them on Roni label to tell a customer what a car costs. And those people at that time were probably like, oh my gosh, this is some ugly animal. I don't know what to do with that. And then prior to that, when we were transitioning from horse and buggy into car, I actually saw a, a horse and buggy ad that was released after cars were on the ground. And the horse and buggy seller was like, why would you get a car? It's not going to work in the dirt. It's not going to work in the rain. Um, it's going to be temperamental. Stick with the horses. And it was a horse and carriage company because, you know, there was a transition when we sold both, right? This is just another iteration of that. The way the car shoppers buy that are the EV shoppers, it's probably going to be an indication of what we can look forward to in our industry going forward. I think that is the real value of EVs in 2024 from a retail standpoint is, Here's what the future could be. It, it's going to be kind of tech heavy. Yeah. It's going to be kind of service heavy. It's going to be, and, and it may be a little bit less about, you know, how hit, fast you can hit the corner or can you drift or, you know, so I think that's what 2024 is going to, uh, is going to bring to us is the understanding of whether we like EVs or not as a car, whether we believe in EVs or not as vehicles because of, you know, you know, government endorsements or lithium or whatever your reasons are. None of those things matter. I think 2024 and 25 are going to bear out that this is going to be the shopper behavior model, whether it's ice, whether it's diesel, whether it's electric, whether I think that's where the magic of EV is right now. Yeah. Oh, Matt, that that was beautiful. It brought a little baby tear to my eye because no, because really it, it is all of it is a combination of all of those things. And I think what I really love about the automotive industry is the fact that you've just we have a bunch of smart people working on a bunch of problems. So we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. We're going to figure yeah. it out. It's going to be a mixture of things, a little hodgepodge. But we're going to win. We're in the teenage years right now. Let's be real. That's really funny that you said that. <laughs> it's, it's really funny that you said that because about a year ago, somebody asked me what my position was on automotive. Yeah. And I said, to me, I think automotive is in puberty, yeah. right? Like, Because yeah. up until puberty, you think you yeah. know what you are, but when you come out of it, you really know who you are. Yeah. And, I, and it's funny that you would say that because that's exactly aligned with my thought process. We are in that transitional stage. Yeah. I, the, the only difference here is I won't slam the door in your face and say, you don't understand me. You don't get it. You know if we ever have another podcast, we can talk about examples of automotive saying that to automotive or bankers saying that to automotive or automotive saying that to bankers. We are slamming doors on each other. So yeah, there is a little bit of that. As a, as a little bit of that vibe happening. Well, Matt, this was an awesome conversation. I loved having you on. Your perspective was amazing. And I uh, would love to uh, give you a shout out and the opportunity for uh, people to reach out to you if they have additional questions they want to connect to you. So where's the best place for that? Uh, I'm really easy to find. My name is Matt Jones. So that makes M Jones at truecar.com. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, but there's a couple other Matt Joneses on LinkedIn. So if you go on LinkedIn, look for Matt Jones True Car, pretty easy. And uh, let's become friends and let's extend this conversation and let's keep this thing moving. I love it. Matt, you are a pleasure. You are just a ray of sunshine in my day today. <laughs> I'm so happy we made this work out. So thank you for your time. My pleasure. 
Thank you so much for listening to the EVs for Everyone podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review with a comment. We read every single comment, so thank you in advance. If you have an idea for an upcoming episode or you would like to be a guest on the show, go to EVs, the number four, everyone.com slash contact. That's EVs, the number four, everyone.com slash contact. Until next time, keep charging forward. Word.